Very cool. Well, tonight, uh, we're going to jump right into our series tonight. If you got that card in the mail, you know exactly what our series is going to be on. It's uh, called Renew. And uh, we're going to talk about four basic aspects in our life that I believe God wants to challenge us in and renew us in. And tonight, we're going to look at faith. And I believe that God wants to renew our faith. Why? Because the Bible says this. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. The only way that you and I can please God is as having faith in our life or in our heart towards Him. And, and so tonight we want to look at that next week. And uh, I know not everybody might be going and celebrating um, Single Awareness Day. I mean Valentine's Day. But uh, some of you will be. And uh, so next week we're going to talk about relationships, but it's okay if you're not in a relationship, if you're not married, you're not dating, it's okay because we're going to look at relationships as a whole. And so next week we're going to talk about renewed relationships. But tonight, uh, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and we're going to start there and then I'll read you two other passages and uh, then I'll just share some thoughts with you tonight. 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Therefore, if, if, that is a small word with a really, really big meaning. If, if, how do I get renewed? How do I get that new life? I have to get in Christ Jesus. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The old stuff is gone. The new stuff has come. Now turn your Bible to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, I think we have it on the screens as well. And you can look up there. Luke chapter 5. going to start in verse 1. And tonight we're going to look at a man named Peter and see how 2 Corinthians 5.17 played out his life. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. On one occasion... While the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took in nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their, their, their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they were beginning to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus and saying, Depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed Jesus. They left everything and followed Jesus. That must have been a pretty significant catch of fish. To leave everything and follow Jesus. Now jump with me. We're going to fast forward three years into the future. Jesus Christ has now been crucified on the cross. He's, he's buried. And according to the Bible, He has now risen. And He's visited the disciples. And here He visits them again for three years now. Fast forward. John chapter 21, verse 1. 
After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel, Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the two others of his disciples, were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, well, we'll go too. They went out, got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Verse 4. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him and said, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. Now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard this, that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about 200 yards off. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments we have together, that God, you would speak so clearly to each and every one of us. God, it would not just be a head thing, but God, it would be a heart thing tonight. That, Lord, you would speak to us that, that we can renew our faith in you. And, and not only can we renew our faith, but, God, you want that faith renewed. So, Lord, tonight I pray you would speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. As I was preparing for this message, I was reminded of, of something that took place a couple of years ago as we were living in Las Vegas. And uh, we're living in Vegas, and I was in the bedroom, and I was actually preparing for a, another message that I was going to preach. And... My wife ran in and she said, honey, and I said, what? She had this look of terror on her face. She said, Dory's dead. And before you get too upset, Dory was just my little daughter's beta fish, okay? Dory's dead. And she's frantic. And I'm like, okay, does Cara, Cara is our six-year-old, then four. I was like, does Cara realize that Dory's dead? And she goes, no, I don't, I don't think she knows. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go find out. And so I walked into the room. And I walked into the room and my daughter was, was sitting there on her bed, kind of had a weird look on her face. And, and I look up at the bowl uh, where Dory, the beta fish, was at. And, and I don't know why they say dead fish float because this fish was pinned to the bottom of the bowl, okay? Just And I look and I was like, honey, is Dory taking a nap? And she was like, no, Dad. Okay. Well, what's going on with Dory? Dory's dead, Dad. I'm like, who told her that? You know, I didn't tell her that, Kate. Did you tell her that, Kate? He's like, no, I, I didn't say anything. I look at Faith, the one-and-a-half-year-old Faith. Did you say anything? You know? And I look, I said, Carl, well, how do, you, how do you know? How do you know um, Dory's dead? Because she is dead. Um, Carl, did you take Dory out of the bowl? Yes. So, well, why did you take... Dory out of the bowl. Because I was playing doctor. I was going to say that why, why were you playing doctor? Because she was dead. <laughs> of course. Why didn't I think of that, you know? Because she was dead. I was like, um, okay. Took her out. So when, when you took Dory out, I'm trying to figure out when Dory died, all right? Well, then Dory dead. Was Dory flopping around when you, when you brought her out? No, Dad. Okay. She wasn't. I said, baby, let me ask you a question. How do you know Dory's dead? Because I gave her chocolate milk, Dad. Uh -huh. Wow. 
And I quickly remembered about two weeks ago where, where we came in and, and Dory's fishbowl was, was filled with, with this, this milky, dark substance. And Carl, what happened? I gave Dory chocolate milk, and I'm like, oh no. And so we, we quickly took the fish out, cleaned out the water, and put the fish back in. But unfortunately, it didn't do any good for the fish. And so I, I didn't know what to do at that moment. All I knew was, was my daughter was sad, the fish is dead, what do you do? And so I quickly remembered the story of Nemo. How many of you guys have seen Nemo? If not, go watch it. Great movie. And I quickly remember that story, and I was just like, well, do you remember Nemo? Yeah, Dad. Do you remember what happened to Nemo when he, when he got dumped down that drain? Yeah, Dad, he got freed. I said, do you want to free Dory? <laughs> yeah, Dad, let's free Dory. Because remember, all drains lead to the ocean. You know? And so I said, here's how we're going to free her. Uh, we're going to flush her down the toilet. Okay, Dad. That's awesome. And I didn't know she was going to be this excited about it, but she was. And so we grabbed our little beta fish and gently carried her over to the toilet because all drains lead to the ocean. And uh, we're going to free Dory. And Dory's going to become a free fish once again. I think Dory's just sad because she's been pinned up in this little bowl for far too long. Okay, Dad. Four-year-olds believe everything. It's awesome. <laughs> and so I said, okay, you want to throw her in? You want me to throw her? You do it, Dad. And so I'm like, okay. And so I throw her in. And she's all small. And then I flush. And the minute I flush, she's like, I miss Dory. I'm like, it's okay, because guess what? Not only do all drains lead back to the ocean, all oceans lead back to the fish store. A smart dad. She said, really? I said, yeah, we're going to go to that fish store. We're going to find, if you've ever seen a beta fish, they all look the same. Okay, now if there's any beta fish lovers out there that I just offended, get over it, okay? They all look the same, and so sure enough, man, I took my daughter to the fish store, and there was Dory right there. It wasn't really, obviously, okay. <laughs> There she was, and, and you know, wow. I said, wow, why were you thinking of that story? I was thinking of that story because I believe God is saying this, that there are people here tonight that you feel like your dream in your life is trapped in some little bowl. But not only is your dream in your life trapped in some little bowl that you're unable to get out of, but not only that, but now maybe it's the economy or maybe it's a relationship, but something is happening in your life, and it's almost like someone's dumping chocolate milk inside of you. And that chocolate milk, if you don't get it out of you, it's going to kill you. Just like it's going to kill Dory. Not really chocolate milk, but you understand what I'm saying. And I believe that there's people here tonight, and, and the enemy has come along, and he's trying to put something in your life. He's trying to detour you from your dream. He's trying to take you away from your destiny. But i got good news for you tonight. You don't have a four-year-old working on you, playing doctor. But you've got the King of Kings, and you've got the Lord of Lords, and His name is Jesus Christ. And according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, if you find yourself in Jesus Christ, all things are completely passed away. The chocolate milk is extracted out of your lungs. Are you with me tonight? All things are taken away, and He makes all things brand new. Are you with me tonight? He can renew your life in a moment's notice. All you have to do, the Bible says this, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be... Some of you read your Bible. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you're at. God just cares about where you're going. And if you call upon Him, He will make your life brand new. He'll make it just as nothing ever happened. And I believe that God wants to do that for your faith tonight. I don't know about now. Let me ask you this question. You can respond if you want. But how many of you would say, there's some areas that I've blown it and I need a second chance? Five of you, the rest of you are liars. <laughs> So now you've blown it there, so now you need a second chance. <laughs> when I think about my life, I'm telling you, there are so many areas that I've blown it in that I know I need a second chance. I, I've needed a second chance, and it doesn't matter if it's something really big or if it's something really little. I mean, because it's all, it's all relative to where you're at with your walk and, and where you're at with your state of life. I remember when I was nine years old, and I needed a second chance. 
I remember I was nine years old and I felt like I was devastated. I was playing basketball for like a, like a little league type thing. And I was playing basketball and, and I, you know, back, back when you're nine years old, it doesn't have anything to do with talent. It's all about height. And obviously I'm a tall individual, okay? And so I played basketball and it was all about height and so everybody wanted me on their team, okay? And I remember this one particular game that we were playing and, and uh, I would always start all the games and we were blowing this team out. And I'm nine years old, okay? We're blowing this team out. And uh, you know, we're winning, so coach said, hey, I want you to sit down. It's right before the second half. I want you to sit down, sit out of the game. We're just going to let everybody else play. And I said, hey, no problem, coach. And so I went and sat down. And I'm watching the game. And, and so he, at, the, at the beginning of the second half, he said, hey, I want you to go ahead and sit the beginning part of this game, too. I said, okay, coach, whatever. And all of a sudden, the other team starts to catch back up. He said, Ben, we, we need you back in the game. Now, if you know anything about basketball, you switch baskets at halftime, okay? But you've got to remember, I'm nine years old. And so I get back in the game. Well, last time I was on the court, we were going this way. But now we're going this way. But my nine-year-old little mind still thinks we're going this way. And so I get in the game, and, and sure enough, I get the ball, and I start dribbling for the wrong hoop, not knowing it's the wrong hoop. And I'm going, and I'm like, man, why is nobody guarding me? Why are they not trying to take the ball? The only people trying to take the ball for me was my own team. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm about ready to, you know, I'm about ready to score, you know. And, and because I'm taller than everybody, I just, you know, mowed them over and kept going. And I'm so excited because I'm going to score the first two points of the half. And, and all of a sudden I go up and everybody starts laughing. And my team is ticked off me. And I'm like, what? They're like, you scored on the wrong hoop. Okay, now, that might not seem devastating to you, but a nine-year-old, that's devastating. Are you with me? Okay. It, it, maybe it's something bigger than that. These are just analogies. I remember when I was, I was dating my wife. We weren't even engaged yet. And, I, and obviously in the dating season, you want to win somebody over, okay? And for those of you that are still single, trying to figure out the dating thing, oh, okay, I get it now, okay? You, you want to impress them. Brush your teeth, comb your hair, whatever you got to do, dress nice, and whatever, okay? You, you, want to, you want to get them attracted to you. And so I remember she had just got back from a missions trip. I'm still trying to impress her, okay? And I'm still trying to win her over to see if she'll marry me, if I can suck her into that thing, you know? <laughs> just kidding. Love is obviously blind, so she's beautiful and not. And I'm trying to win her over, and so I pick her up from the airport. She comes back from the missions trip from the Philippines, and, and I want to impress her, so I'm going to take her out to dinner, and, and I take her to Tony Roma's, and, and I'll never go to Tony Roma's again, and we have not, and I will never go back. But we go to Tony Roma's, and now we have a great time. We're talking, sharing stories, and, you know, about her trip, and about what I did while she was gone, and, and all of a sudden, you know, dinner's gone, and, well, it's time to go home, and, and uh, so I said, let's go get in the car. So we go to get in the car, and as we're walking out the car, I, I, I got to go to the bathroom, okay? But I think to myself, you know, we don't live that far away. I can make it, you know. Live just down the road a little ways, I can make it. So we get in the car and get her door closed and get mine. We drive off and literally we're driving off and I'm thinking to myself, I probably shouldn't use the restroom. Okay, I'm really being vulnerable here tonight, all right? I know you've never had a moment like this, but. I'm, I'm, I really need to use the restroom. As we're driving, I'm like, yep, I should have used the restroom. And, and so I just, I'm, I'm trying to impress her. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Um, I just need to pull over and use the restroom real quick. And she's like, okay. You know. <laughs> and so we were driving. And sure enough, there's a Burger King right there. And, and I'm like, sweet, Burger King. Awesome. I'll just pull in there, jet in, jet out, be on our way, no big deal. And, and so we, uh, we pull in the Burger King, and I'm like, okay, I'll be right back. But at this point, now, ladies and gentlemen, I really needed to go, okay? I'm just being really open and honest tonight. And so I, I, I really need to go, and so I'm walking a little funny. Okay? Now, I know none of you have done that probably before, but I'm walking a little funny, but I'm still trying to be cool at the same time. So you, you kind of got the strut, but you got the funny walk going too, you know? Okay? 
And so I get over there and I'm just like, you know, I'll be right back, you know, and I get to the door and I go to open the door. It's locked. Now, if you've never been there before, I'm fully committed at this time. There is no going back, okay? There's no going back to the car. It's, it's over at this moment, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm really going to need a second chance, okay? And I, I mean, I'm, it's, I'm there, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. It's 9.55, and it says they're open until 10. I'm like, oh, that's And I'm just looking around playing cool. Right there. But I'm really thinking, what in the world am I going to do? I have no clue what I'm going to do. And all of a sudden, I see a bush right there. Just like God spoke to Moses from a bush, God began to speak to me. Use the bush. Use the bush. And so, I really have no, no choice at this time but to use the bush. And so I kind of look around at the parking lot right there. There's Burger King right here, but they're locked up and there's a bush right here. And so I go to the bathroom in between the bush and Burger King. And I didn't want, obviously, her to see me, and so I just, I just, you know, do it right there. And, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, awesome, nobody saw me, this is cool, I'm totally good. And as I'm getting up, I look up, and there's a surveillance camera right there pointing down at me. And I know to this day they still watch that every single Christmas party they have, <laughs> laughing at me. I, I know that. And, and I was so humiliated that I walked back, and she is literally like... <laughs> Trying not to laugh, but just like, did everything go okay? Was Burger King open? Yeah, they were open. Just drive, would you? You know? You talk about feeling like you've blown it. Now, I felt like, man, but you know what? Obviously, she gave me a second chance. Praise Jesus. And we're married going on 12 years this year. But I've been in those stages where, and I know that might seem simple, but when you've really blown it, you feel like you're not going to be accepted. You feel like no one's, gonna, no one's really going to understand you, but you know what? God understands you. And God knows what you're going through. And I believe that tonight God wants to renew your trust and your belief in Him to the point where, you know what, you give it all to God and say, you know what, I messed up, I've blown it, but you know what, it's not about where I've been, it's about where I'm going. Are you with me tonight? We see this played out in Peter's life right here. We see this story so clearly. Let me just give you this as we talk about renewed. It means to make new or as if new again. And faith, it means confidence and trust in a person or a thing. So we're talking about renewing or making new again your confidence and trust in God. And I'll tell you what, God will never let you down. In Luke chapter 5, we see the first time when Peter is called to follow Jesus. Peter at this point is not one of the disciples. He's not one of Jesus' followers. He's just a fisherman. And we see what happens in that case is that Jesus turns to Peter and says, Hey, I want you to do something. I want you to go back out, even though you've caught nothing, and I want you to cast your net. And he says this, that you're, you're going to catch something. And I love what Peter says. Peter says in Luke chapter 5, you know, well, we haven't caught anything, but because you've told me to do it, I'm going to do it. Because you've spoken to me to do it, I'm going to do it. And because of Peter's simple obedience to do what God told him to do, he caught a large number of fish. But not only that, his buddies had to come with their boat to haul in this great catch and get into shore. And it was at that moment, because you see the Bible says that Peter realized at that moment, that's the very moment that faith entered his heart. How does faith enter your heart? Simple obedience to God. And it was his simple obedience to do what Jesus told him to do that allowed faith to come into his life, or that faith to be activated. It was at that moment where that great, that great multitude of fish came in where Peter fell down and realized it was the Lord and began to repent from his ways. It was also at that moment that Peter said, you know what, I'm going to leave everything behind and I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow him. But as we fast forward three years into the future, 
In John chapter 21, we pick up the story of Peter, and we see now that Peter has a different outlook. Peter has now walked with Jesus for three years. He's experienced the miracles. He's seen all that Jesus did on earth. He's seen it all played out. He's seen it all, all done. But if you understand the Bible, you know that Jesus was then arrested, taken to the cross, crucified for our sins. The Bible goes on to say he was buried. Three days later, he rose again, and now he's visiting the disciples. Let me just say it this way. There is a lot of confusion going on in Peter's life. There is a lot of things happening right now that are causing some confusion. So much so that it drives Peter back to doing or back to becoming what he was. He was a fisherman. God called him out. Listen to me. It's not about his, his, his duty. It's not about what he was. But it's about the principle that God wants to call you out of a lifestyle that you were never meant to live. God wants to call you out of some circumstance or something that he didn't intend for you to be in. And he wants to give you a new life. He wants to make it just like it's brand new. Are you with me tonight? But Peter goes back to the old. So now Jesus shows up on the scene. And he realizes, I've got to renew Peter's faith. I've got to show up again just like I did three years ago. And so he comes and the Bible says something very interesting. The Bible says, and I'm just going to give you some quick things. The Bible says this in verse 4 of John 21. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. I believe this so strongly that the day is about to break for some of you. That day is breaking. You might have had a rough past. You might be having a rough time in this economy you're in right now. Maybe it's a rough relationship with somebody. I don't know what it is in your life, but I tell you this. I believe that Jesus Christ is standing on the shore of your life, and he's about ready to show up to you, reveal himself in a new way, and renew your faith to make it so old things are passed away and all things have become new. And here he is, standing on the shore, and he calls out to him. And this is what I want to give you tonight, if I could. How does God renew your faith? How does God renew your faith? Number one, very simply, He speaks. God renews your faith by speaking. The Bible says this. The Bible says that in the beginning, that there was chaos happening. That the world, in Genesis 1, that the world was formless. It was a formless mass. In other words, if you look at it, there was chaos going on over the earth. And the Bible says, then God said then God said, let there be light. And if you, if you know the Bible, there was light. When God speaks, something happens. When God speaks, it initiates something. When God begins to speak into your life, you say, well, that's great. How does God speak? Very simply, there's this thing called the Bible. And God speaks to this right here. This right here is the tangible revelation that we have of Jesus Christ. This right here. And then let me just say this, because a lot of people have been asking, what, what kind of a church is urban? What do you affirm? We've been getting that question a lot. Are you, do you affirm this or do you affirm that? Are you this kind of church or that kind of church? Can I just say this? We affirm the word of God. And everything that we do within Urban and everything that we do within our leadership will be based on this right here in the Bible and the Bible alone. We're not going to get another book and supplement it. We're not going to put anything alongside of it. And so what do we affirm? We simply affirm Jesus Christ and the word of God. And we believe that Jesus Christ still is the answer for every issue and every circumstance you face. Are you with me tonight? He speaks. Look at what happens. They, they've caught nothing. They're heading back in. And Jesus speaks to them. He says, hey, did you catch anything? They say, no. They say, hey, go back out. Cast the dead on the right side. And, and you will find some. You'll find some. Jesus spoke right in the middle of their chaos. Remember, Peter's confused. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's going back to his old ways. He's going back to his old thing. But God shows up. He says, hey, 
I want you to go back up. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so Jesus speaks and it begins to activate something in your life. Matthew 4, 4 says this. We don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus spoke. There's something powerful about daddy's voice. I know at home, my wife will be telling the kids, all right, kids, you need to do this. And they just keep playing. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, girls, it's time. They keep playing. And also I come on and say, girls, now. Anyway. Can I just tell you something? When Jesus speaks, something happens in your life. If you hear him speak, he'll do it for you. How does God renew your faith? Number one, simply he speaks. The point is, we've got to listen. We have to listen. Number two, how does God renew our faith? Number two, he challenges us. He challenges us. If you've been around church or you, you've had encounters with God, you understand that sometimes the God encounters are challenging. He challenges us. Why does he challenge us? Because it's in that challenging process that it grows your faith. And if you didn't need God, you wouldn't need faith. Are you with me? And if it's something you can do on your own that you don't need God, and so you don't need to come to church, thank you for coming. We'll see you next week. But if you're like me, you realize, I can't do this thing on my own. I can't, I can't do the married thing on my own. I can't do the kid thing on my own. I definitely can't do the church thing on my own. Uh, I need Jesus. And I need Jesus. And so much so he challenges you. Everything you know. Now listen to this. You've got to catch this. He says this. He doesn't just say, go cast the net out again. He says, cast your net on the right side of the boat. As if to say they've been casting on the wrong side. But if you study it deeper, you understand that most people believe that the boats were rigged to fish out of the left side of the boat back then. And so when he said, cast the net on the right side, it wasn't just a simple flop the note over the other side. Because the boat was, was rigged to fish out of the left side. They now had to rethink everything they knew about fishing. I mean, if it was as simple as fishing out of the right side of the boat, when they came back in from catching nothing, maybe they should have tried the other side. But they didn't. And so when Jesus said these words, hey, cast your net on the right side of the boat, it meant they had to rethink everything. What does God do when your faith becomes so mindless and so routine? He comes and he challenges you. I don't know about you, but I've had this experience before where I will be driving my car. And I'm driving, and maybe it's a 20-minute drive or 15 minutes, but whatever it is, and you're driving, and all of a sudden you get to your destination, and you, and you pull into that parking spot, and you're like, you don't remember anything about your drive. <laughs> you ever had that happen before? You pull up, you know, you're like, wow, that was really quick. Wow, how did I get here? <laughs> it's kind of a freaky feeling, actually. How many stoplights did I run? You know? How many people did I hit? Oh, you know? I remember nothing about my... Why? Because something so mindless... It, you know, something so routine and mind, it's become mindless and it's just routine and you just drive. But what happens when all of a sudden you go like I did to Australia and now the steering wheel is on the other side. You drive on the other side. All of a sudden something so mindless and so routine, all of a sudden, whoa, okay, I got to pay attention. I'm not used to the steering wheel being on this side. I'm not used to driving on this side. And all of a sudden what happens is now you're paying attention to what you're doing and you remember everything about your drive. Are you with me? God does the same thing to you and I. When your faith becomes mine. Listen, God never wanted his, this relationship to be a mindless relationship. He loves you. He cares about you. And he wants it to be this radical, awesome relationship that you have with one another. It's so much so that when all of a sudden your, your faith becomes mindless and routine, he will come and he'll say, Hey, cast your net on the right side of the boat. Oh, I've never done that before. I've never had the steering wheel over here. I've never driven on this side. I, I don't know how to, I better pay attention again. And I believe, I honestly believe this. I honestly believe because we live in a quote-unquote Christian nation. 
And I believe that what God is doing right now, now God didn't cause the economy to be the way it is. God didn't make it happen. That was man's stupidity that brought it about. But I believe that God is going to use the economy and the state that it's in, the way that it's in. I believe God's going to use that to wake up the Christians. He's going to use it to wake up some people that have lost faith. And he's going to get a hold of their life. Why? Because you can't turn to your 401ks right now. You can't turn to the equity in your home right now because you ain't got none. You can't turn to the banks right now unless you have cash already. What are you going to do? Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters? <laughs> no, there's only one person you can call, and his name's Jesus. And I believe God is waking up America. I believe God is waking us up to bring us back to what we were founded on. Listen to me. The United States of America was not founded on the freedom of speech. It actually wasn't even founded on the freedom of worship. If you, if you look at the history books, and I know they've tried to rewrite history books time and time again, it was found on the, on the freedom to worship God. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And I believe God is trying to get us back to that place. He speaks and He challenges, and sometimes His challenges aren't very fun. What do we have to do? We have to respond. Number three, very quickly. How does He, how does he renew our faith? Number three, He encourages I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for a God that doesn't just challenge me. I'm thankful for a God that encourages me. You know what I'm really thankful? I'm thankful for a wife that not only challenges my dream, but she encourages my dream. My wife will come along and she will challenge my dream. But then she's right there and she encourages it and supports it as well. And I do the same for her. I'm so thankful for that because it would be a real nag to live with somebody that's, oh, that's a stupid idea. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. I mean, I thought what came out of your mouth last week was dumb. This is retarded, you know. I, mean, I would not want to be married to that. <laughs> but she's not like that. Can I tell you something? Some people have that view of God. But I'm here to tell you tonight he's a good God. And he not only comes and speaks to you, he not only comes and challenges you, and sometimes that challenge can come in the way of a correction because the Bible says whom the Lord loves, he chastens. But he also comes along and he encourages you. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for that encouragement. I'm so thankful for the still small voice that comes and says, this is the way, walking in. I'm so thankful for his word that comes and encourages me and, and not only corrects me, but says, you can do this. Greater is, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You're the head, not the tail. You can be more than a conquering Christ Jesus. If that is an encouragement, I don't know what is. Are you with me tonight? He not only comes along and speaks, he not only comes along and challenges, but he comes along and he encourages you. Every good and perfect thing that's happened in your life, guess who it's from? It's from him. And he encourages us to keep going on. Now, it's not like he dangles a carrot in front of us to keep us running. No, he comes and he literally encourages us. He shows us a little bit of the picture. Look what he said to the disciples. He said, cast your net on the right side. And he didn't just leave it there. He didn't just challenge them. He said, and you will find some. I think that would be encouraging. We haven't caught anything all night. We're heading back in. And hey, cast it on the right side. You'll find some. Really? Okay, I'm going. He comes along and he encourages now, you and I, we're completely different because honestly, sometimes it's against our sin nature to encourage. And, and, you know, and some people have this view of God, and I, I don't know, maybe it's, just a, a, maybe it's just a little boy thing and not a girl thing. But some of us have this view of God. When I was younger, I used to um, watch the snail crawl. And snails are slow. You ever seen one? Not real fast. And then I would pick it up, and I would put it back where it started. <laughs> Come back three hours later. <laughs> Where are you going, little guy? You know. Now, aren't you thankful God's not like that? 
You know, aren't you guys, you know, I mean, the other one I used to do is fry the ants with the magnifying glass, right? Am I the only demented person that did that? You just don't want to admit it. Pray for me later. Thank you for admitting you did that too. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that God doesn't do that. You're, you're heading towards your dream, and God's like, where you going, little guy? You know, and set you back there. Are you with me? Or, or fry you with a magnifying glass? One of the two. I'm, just glad. I'm glad he doesn't either of those, okay? No, but you get somewhere, and God's like, good job, little snail. Maybe not snail, but. And he's like, you can do it. You can make it. God encourages us along the way. And I'm so thankful for that. He doesn't just challenge me. He speaks, he challenges, and he also encourages. The thing we have to do is we have to receive the encouragement. And lastly, he performs. He performs. He speaks, we've got to obey. He challenges, we, we, we've got to respond appropriately. He encourages and we have to receive that. The last one, there's nothing you can do but just accept the blessing that he wants to give you. He performs. How does he perform? Very simply, he provides the miracle. This catch of fish in John 21. Now listen to me. Nowhere else do you see them counting the number of fish they caught. But to them, this amount of fish they caught was so miraculous that they wanted to count them and there was 153 little fish. Why? The significance of the number. I don't know if there's anything so significant about the number as much as there is about what they did. They were so overwhelmed in their thinking. They were so like, wow, this is such an incredible number. We have to count them. Why? Because it was miraculous. It was a miracle. The Bible even says that they were shocked that the net didn't break when they pulled it in. That's how large this was. That that couldn't have happened any other way other than God intervening in that situation. And God intervened. Why? He spoke and they believed it. They received it and they listened. God challenged them. I want you to cast your net on the right side. I've never done that before. But not only did he do that, he encouraged them. You're going to find some. Now, he didn't say you're going to find 153. He said you're going to find some. And the last thing he says, okay, you've done your part. Now I'm going to show up and show off and do my part. And they were so overwhelmed with what they caught. I believe that tonight God wants to renew your faith. I don't know about you, but I found myself when my youngest, or my, now my youngest daughter, Faith, was born. I've only told this story a couple of times. When my youngest daughter, Faith, was born, God used that instance to renew my faith. When we were praying about what to name our daughter, he said, name her Faith. I said, God, why? I said, because you're going to need faith for this next journey you're on. And your daughter is going to be significant. Her name's going to be significant. So name her Faith. And so we chose the name Faith. The first one was born cesarean birth. And so therefore Faith was born cesarean birth as well. And I remember being in the room and Faith was yanked out. It's not really a, you know, she wasn't really birthed. She was just yanked. Never really want to see that ever again. But she was yanked out of my wife's womb. The doctors usually show the baby to you and your wife, and then they go over and take care of the baby. This time that didn't happen. And so I looked at my wife, and, and fear was on my wife's face. And, and she was like, why are you still sitting here? I think, oh, my God, what's wrong with our baby? And so I walked over to where they had Faith, and Faith was, was turning from this, this, this reddish color to this smurf blue color. And I was just standing there like, what do you do? I mean, the, the, the kid's slimy, the, you know, the cord's coming out, and you're just kind of like, you know, what do I do? You know, you know I, I didn't know what to do, all right? And so I'm just standing there like, 
nurse do something, you know, you know, as if I can't get one of the football slaps on the rear, you know, I'm just like, you know, it's a joke. It, and I'm like, what do I do? I'm, I'm helpless. I couldn't do anything. I was in a position where I could do nothing. And I, I looked at the nurse and I'm like, what's going on? And she didn't answer me at all. And also she looked at the other nurse and she said, make the call. And they called for the, uh, the critical care unit. And at that moment, I realized what's going on. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And something came over me. And I'll tell you what it was. God renewed my faith. And in that moment, I said, Faith, Deborah, you breathe right now in Jesus' name. And before I got those words even out of my mouth, her lungs opened up and she sucked in that first breath. And one of Faith's teachers here tonight, she's, I, I think she's adorable, and I know you do too. And, uh, <laughs> somebody for you later, okay. <laughs> but I remember that, that, that feeling of hopelessness. I remember that feeling of despair. I remember that feeling, I can't do anything but only call on the name of Jesus. And I did. And when I did, Faith began to breathe. And the doctor looked at me like, Wow. <laughs> Forget the call. <laughs> we don't need them anymore. I believe there's something here tonight that God wants to breathe life back into your spirit. That God wants to breathe life back into your lungs. That God wants to breathe life into you. If you got the car and you saw the crushed can on the front of that car and you saw life growing out of it and you see some crushed cans up here and, and, and you know what? These cans will probably go to be recycled and when they come out they're going to look brand new again. That's what God wants to do in your life. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you're at. It only matters where you're going. And I believe this enough. And Urban is here. Listen, Urban is not here to, to start another gathering. I'm more concerned about Monday through Saturday than I am about what happens on Sunday. And I believe, though, that we're here to encourage you and to help you get through. Not just get through, but overcome in that Monday through Saturday. And live the life that God always intended you to. And I believe you can have a 2 Corinthians 5.17 tonight. That old things will be passed away. And behold, all things will become new. So as I pray, I just want you to ask. I want to ask you to do this question. Just close your eyes. Say, why do I need to close my eyes? Just something we like to do here so there's no distraction. Call it meditation if you want. Call it prayer for whatever you want to call it. But just close your eyes for a minute. And as I pray, I want you to listen to the voice of God. Hear Him speak to you tonight. Hear Him speak to you tonight. God, we thank you. God, we thank you right now in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, for what you're doing in the city of San Diego. God, for what you're doing in Urban. God, for what you're doing in the downtown area. God, I thank you for all those that have come tonight. God, I thank you for family that's flown a great distance. I thank you for friends that have come. And Lord, I thank you most of all for those that are here saying, I'm checking this thing out because I'm looking for something. Lord, I pray that right now as they sit here, God, they would evaluate their life. Evaluate where they're at with you. And God, if they need a spark in their faith, that God, you give them that spark. Just with your eyes closed, I want you to think about it right now. Where are you at with God? What's going on in your life? What's going on in your finances? What's going on in your relationships? What's going on at your job? I know there's people here tonight that are sitting in fear about losing their job. God can take that fear tonight. I know there's some people sitting here tonight that are concerned about your health. God can touch your body tonight. I know there's some people sitting here tonight you're confused about your marriage. God can touch your marriage. But it all starts with renewing your faith. Because without faith it's impossible to please Him. And I believe that tonight if you just let God renew your faith, that you'll have enough faith to speak to that mountain and say, Mountain, get out of my way. I'm going to Jesus. He's speaking to you tonight. 
for me. He's, he's speaking to you. I believe he's challenging you tonight to rethink everything. Where are you headed? What are you doing? How are you living your life? He's challenging you. But he's here to encourage you and say, guess what? You're going to make it. Let me take care of the rest. Let God take care of the rest. Let God take care of the rest. And maybe you're here tonight, and maybe you got that flyer in the mail, and you thought, you know, it's been a while since I've been to church. I'll go check it out. I'll go check it out. Thank you for coming. Maybe, maybe, maybe you used to be in church a lot. And can I just tell you something? It's not about church. It's about your relationship with God. Church doesn't save you, but it helps keep you safe.